You're listening to the North Avenue Show, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of some top entrepreneurs and marketing directors. I'm Andrew Curtin, and I'm sitting down with top executives to talk about their process, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Hello and welcome to the North Avenue Show. This is Andrew Curtin speaking. Today we have a very interesting guest, Gabriella Gorey from VNK Network. Gabriella, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell us a bit about uh, VNK and tell us a bit about yourself. All right, VNK is a food and beverage company that uh, operates in Italy and the UK. We own a number of venues in the in Italy, in Turin. We have um, two cocktail bars, two clubs, and a couple of restaurants um, in the center of town. And we also run a consultancy company in the UK focusing on, on operations and the hospitality industry. And we've recently opened an Italian alley in Camden Market. Um, that includes five uh, railway arches with different kinds of Italian food. Mm. So if I if I wanted to open a restaurant, I could go to you guys if I had an idea. You'd help me expand it and get it off the ground. Well, of course you could, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Um, so you're previously operations manager at Beers of Bloomsbury. Could you tell us a bit about that? Well, I, um, I joined the company once it was bought out of administration uh, by a new group of investors. The, um, uh, he had three sites at the moment uh, the, the, when I joined, and um, I was brought in to implement a, business plan, a new business plan and uh, bring the company back to, um, to profitability, uh, which has been a very interesting task. Um, my employment there didn't last um, very long. I, I left after barely just over a year mm. uh, for my new consultancy company. Mm. Um, but it was it was a very interesting project. It was very tough for the first three months, but it was good to see the company going back onto the green and nowadays seeing the company expanding mm, very, new sites. Very good, very good. And you also worked uh, as a team leader with uh, Whole Foods. Would I be right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was yeah, that was a few years ago. It was mm. a very very good experience. Uh, first time that I worked for you know a supermarket, um, mm. uh, but you know a, a, a very different sort of supermarket in the UK, uh, and um, it was a very very good experience as well. Very large team, very large volumes, excellent products, and big. they taught me a lot a lot of the, the the stuff I know today. Yeah, big brand to be working with. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to. Uh, you know, to work from you know from Pret a Manger to Paul Gales Whole Foods, mm. um, it was a it was a very good fifteen years in you know my first fifteen years in this country actually, mm. um, and I managed to to put together quite a, quite a bit of experience, which was very good. Yeah, as well with your time at Gales, it must have been a, an interesting one. It's a it's quite a, a unique type of brand. It, it, they seem to be popping up all over the place, and they just their branding is really really spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a different time back then when I joined. Uh, it was still privately owned. Um, we only had four or five sites. I've opened uh, two more. I opened Chiswick and Expo Market. Um, so it was very, very different to the the girls of today, but uh, still, with, you know, with, with the same, obviously, same branding, same great products, mm. and same ethos. It, it was again a. Uh, it was probably the first time I worked with such high quality um, mm. uh, in the UK, which was very exciting. Mm. 
Yeah, that's good. That's very interesting. And just tell us, Gabriele, what problems or challenges do you think your industry are facing at the moment? Well, um, it's been uh, it's been a funny few years. Um, probably uh, first and foremost, I would say people, um, and this is a problem that we've had. Um, since before Brexit, actually, uh, the Brexit vote only kind of made, made it worse. Uh, by finding the right people and retaining the right staff is, is been increasingly hard. Um, I think is a mix of, uh, of a generational thing. Mm. Um, people just don't tend to stick to the same job, um, that much anymore, especially in the hospitality industry. There is always kind of been a, a job that you do in between mm. one thing and another. You know? yeah. um, there's only a few of us that kind of get stuck in it. Um, but uh, otherwise, it's always been trans- trans- a transition sort of mm. thing. And lately, it's, it's only made it worse. And in London, um, we felt the, the, the difference from the Brexit vote on. There's a lot less people from Europe that decide to move to London. Yeah. Therefore, less people that come to the UK that work in the hospitality industry. And at the same time, there's, you know, financial issues, uh, linked to, you know, raising rent and, and, and business rates. Um, and obviously with the pound, been a little bit weaker in the last few years also the cost of goods yeah. uh, has been a bit of an issue mm. and tell us it's probably a, a tough question for you but how do you feel your industry could market itself better in regards just getting brand out there or attracting new talent is it a tough challenge or do you think it's something you could improve and think there's an opportunity but obviously there's always opportunities to um, to improve mm. um, the I think that the, the the most important thing at the moment is to to offer something that goes beyond the products to offer an experience um uh, and and to also to focus on your on on your higher purpose and um um and to care about the environment and sustainability at the moment which is a, a really hot topic i mean we as a restaurant, you can make um, a, a huge difference um, in the way you, you you know you use plastic or you or you choose your your suppliers or you manage your waste. Um, and I, and there's a lot of clients that that, that look at that um, at the moment, but um, it's mostly. I think about engagement, mm. um, both with your with your staff to retain them, or also with your customers. Mm. Uh, so to offer, as I said before, something that goes beyond your product to offer learning, to offer an experience, uh, and to also give back to to your local community to engage with them more. Mm. No, that's a it's a really true point. And um, what I noticed about the industry, and you could tell me I'm wrong, but I seen a lot of new restaurants start up, and they seem to be like focusing on one food like there's a lot of just burger places or just fried chicken places or just fish places it, it's the, these vast menus are declining and people are seem to get very specialized maybe just on a specific um burger place as i said it just seems to be kind of enhancing that experience and just like for one product they're kind of they're making subsidiary products well, actually, it is uh, quite a strong trend. You're absolutely mm. right. There's been, in the last few years, there's been a development in street food markets. Mm. Uh, so multi-site venues with lots of, lots of different vendors in there. Um, that kind of made it natural for 
for those vendors to focus on one product and do one thing right. Um, I think that comes from mainly two things. A, operationally having a very limited space to produce those products, because mm. the times when you operate in the market, you are now, well, maybe three by two meters. You, there's only so much you can do, so you're best to focus on one thing and do it properly. Um, but also, I think it's a trend on the consumer side where they um, they would rather have, um, you know, go to these markets and try lots of different products uh, and lots of different things from different vendors. Mm. Um, and um and yeah i think it's it's a uh, it, it goes hands in hands with was what i was mentioning before with uh you know with the shrinking margin and the mm. uh, uh and the cost of rents i mean a lot of new companies tend to start up in a much smaller venue and in in sometimes in the market uh so it's a lot easier to focus on one thing and doing prop and do it properly yeah. which is similar to what we do in the in the italian alley at the moment where mm. we got um, although we operate all of the five arches, but we each arch is focusing on a on on, on one product from pizza to pasta to mm. barbecue and so on. No, it's it's in, it's interesting, really. You know, looking at it from I suppose a marketing perspective, when you see a brand focusing on one product, you you're kind of like automatically thinking they have my trust. They are obviously really specialized. They know what they're doing. But if you have fifty different products, you're kind of like they can't be good at everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, has social media changed the industry in any way? Oh God, yes, um, it really did. I mean, I used to um, run venues fifteen years ago where you there was a lot of offline marketing. Well, it was the only kind of marketing um, you, you 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 would do. You would actually go out and engage with your you know with your offices with your hotels whatever depending on the demographics you had around you um but it would be a face-to-face mm. uh sort of interaction um i you know if i were the manager if i was managing shop managers i would always push for uh, for the people in the shop to be the face of the or, or the shop, whereas nowadays um, you can have a really, really, a really good social media um, work with influencers, mm. um, engage your your customers online, um, and uh, and and still see the results with you know with a lot less offline marketing. Yeah, no, for sure. What what I know is a small bit about restaurants especially social media wise they tend to post their best picture you know the finished product and i always feel that it'd be a lot more interesting if restaurants kind of went behind the scenes and started maybe where the food came from a bit about the chefs just get in behind the scenes rather than just showing a consumer the finished product you know i think people like stories and i noticed one opportunity like for the industry itself i think they could be better at storytelling would you would you agree there yeah i i i couldn't agree more actually there's we um when we do when when we brief our social media partners we 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 always push for um for our team to talk about our team but also to talk about our suppliers and uh and where they come from and tell you know tell more stories about what we do mm. why we do it who's doing it um rather than the product themselves mm, no for sure for sure um so what are the biggest trends in the industry right now um 
well, the, we, we touched on sustainability, uh, which is something that um, uh, people are looking at, uh, and quite rightly so. Um, they're looking at it uh, quite a lot. Um, another big trend uh, that, that we're all facing is is obviously dietary requirement with veganism being, you know, at, at the top. Mm. Everybody seems to be going vegan at the moment. Mm. Um, funnily enough, they seem to be doing it for the environment, for the environment. But um, I think there's a different topic. Um, <laughs> home deliveries is definitely um, a big trend. Uh, although uh, we had some some pretty dramatic news from BBC uh, uh, in, in the last few days of the or, or their investigation of that of Uber Eats. But there's a lot of there's there's a lot of people that tend to order from home from the favorite restaurants. Um, yeah, and I think those are probably the the, the, mm. the, the biggest trends uh, mm. at the moment. And what do you think of the home delivery market? Do you think do you think like it it has lots of longevity, or do you think because of these scandals, do you think it's going to come under scrutiny, be a bit more regulated? Well, it should come under scrutiny. It should be more regulated by all means, but at the same time, I think it's a growing market. Um, I mean, you look at Amazon, you look at all of these home deliveries. Uh, I'm, you know, myself, as much as I try to support my, uh, my, my local community, I shop at the farmer's market when I can in, in, you know, when I live in Brixton and I go to my local pub and local shops at the same time. There's a lot of items that I buy online because it's a lot easier to just get them delivered. Um, so definitely home deliveries for food is, is a growing trend, but it, it needs to be regulated better. Yeah, it's like it's it's a weird one, really, because I know it's great to have the convenience delivered from home, but I'm just wondering after a while, will people begin to realize that the food is ten times nicer if I have in the restaurant and I make the effort? We're going through a very convenient uh, style of living at the moment. I'm just wondering, will it wear out? And I know myself if I get Uber Eats that it's only half as nice as if I go and sit down and kind of experience and soak it up and go with a friend, you know. Right, very true. I mean, I um, you know what I mentioned before the um, giving customers an experience rather than just the food. Obviously, you 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 will miss that if mm. you if you order your food on a on, on a phone app. Mm. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I do enjoy the experience of sitting on my sofa and having my my favorite food from you know from from a local shop. Mm. No, true. Um, what are the challenges specific to new startups compared to mature franchise setups? Well, I mean, they're obviously very, very different. Um, in regards to a new startup, it's everything is a challenge. Um, from, you know, finding your identity, your, your you know, your tone of voice, your audience, uh, when you start, uh, to, to, to find the right products, to push or, de- or develop the right products. Um, and then once you, f- you think you have all of that, uh, done the, um, the next challenge is finding your location, finding the right people, finding the right partners. Um, then you you end up in opening your first site and you realize that maybe your products weren't as right as you thought they were and you need to work on them. So it's a, it's a constant challenge for, you know, f- for the first few years until you really, really understand what works best for you. Uh, whereas when you... Um, 
looking at a, at a bigger company, more established company, um, is more about retaining that identity they've worked uh, mm. and sometimes changing that identity because obviously a company that grows, I think the 20 site mark is a is a very good um, is a very good line. I mean, up to then you can you, you can still have that independent feel uh, beyond the 20 restaurants and more. Mm. It, 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 that identity naturally changes and you need to be able to, to, to adapt to, you know, to, to the market. Uh, but also is retaining consistency, retaining quality mm. uh, when you grow so big. I mean, we've seen a lot of the... Um, the big chains in the last few years really, really suffering. Mm. At the same time, not all of them have been suffering, but the ones uh, that, that have a good service, a good product, uh, good engagement with the with the with the customers are the ones that they haven't struggled, although the 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 very sizable. Um, the um, I think the secret is at nowadays the secret is to retain that independent feel, mm. not to. Uh, have everything look and feel the same. Mm. Um, one company that does it very well, although I don't agree with most things that Martin says, is actually uh, Weatherspoons. Um, they have almost a thousand pubs in the UK, but they manage to retain um, the individuality of each site um, every time they open a new pub, and that uh, and that is paying off uh, today. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because at the start of this um, podcast, I wasn't expecting you to mention Weatherspoons at all. And it's just really interesting that obviously if a brand are well aligned and know what they're at, they can be successful no matter what part of the market they play in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just think it's very interesting um, you you highlighted Weatherspoons. Um, what 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 do you think about them specifically? Is it just because the layout of their their restaurant and pubs and just keeping that consistency has brought them success, or what way do you think? Well, I mean, they always been a convenient brand, uh, a low cost sort of place to go. And uh, if a few years ago that wasn't maybe seen as fantastic uh, in the last few years with you know with consumers confidence going down is actually is actually that has actually paid off um, in regards to the venues they usually uh, take over um, you know old cinemas old venues transform them into a pub but still retain all pubs itself mm. and uh, uh, and they might put the little branding somewhere i mean you can tell it's a weather spoon mm-hmm. from a mile away but at the same time you can tell that that place was something else before and it's got a, it's got its own character um i think that's something that consumers really 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 appreciate um i'm not going to go into details in mm-hmm. regards to all of the the, the changes in products and all yeah. the, the the brexit his brexit opinions but yeah. um as far as as uh, as that commercially i think is that they were in the right they've done the right things at the right time Mm. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Um, so, I suppose one of the last questions: What tips would you give for independent restaurants or coffee shops to grow their local businesses beyond geographical boundaries? Well, um, definitely invest in people. 
Mm. Um, although, and both sides of the counter, as I, as I like to say, invest in your own people, uh, but also uh, invest in your in, in your customers. Um, although your you know your, your team might might change on a on a monthly basis, or you know you might have a very 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 high turnover at the moment. Um, it's a lot easier to 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 retain your staff if the um, if you look after them, if you give them some value, if you teach them something, if, if they know that beyond the wages they can get something extra. Uh, and obviously by retaining that staff uh, and those people, you it, it's a lot easier to, to maintain their quality, give a better, a better, a better customer service. Uh, I know we're talking about non-geographical uh, boundaries, but I, I, I feel is is very important to um, to be very close to your to, to your local community um, to 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 make as uh, you know a, a new restaurant or a new business work. In regards to uh, going beyond that, um, you need to. Um, Put your trust into a good consultant all the time for, for 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 your social media for your for your online marketing. Um, is a is a very tricky business because it's something that is is very hard to measure, mm. um, or it's very hard to measure the returns. We we made mistakes ourselves with with our business. Um, uh, we feel at the moment that we work with 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 the right people and 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 we can tell that it's paying off, but it's. Is about um, having the right partners that really care about you, and they can they can push your social content uh, in the right way and create the right strategy and the right content for you. Mm, oh, that's very interesting. I suppose looking at all the stuff we've talked about today, uh, one thing that pops out, one subject that pops out, is opening a restaurant or a coffee shop. It's just not getting a piece of land and getting your inventory and opening. It seems there needs a whole process of research and really complex research. It's not as simple as it sounds opening a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's quite interesting and it's quite difficult to research really if you do want to open an independent coffee store. You really have to dig deep into that demographical area and what your offerings are in comparison to surrounding areas. It just seems like a, it seems like a tough one, but I think you might tell me that the people who do that research to an extensive level are probably going to see some success. Well, it's probably tougher than ever mm. at the moment because competition is is really high and uh, margins are really low. So mm. you need to make sure that you've got the right concept. Uh, but as you said, once you... Um, you know you have the right concept you need to make sure that that concept is placed in a in an area that that that, that works for that concept so is you know is the right demographic the right customers mm. um and the right people around you so yeah there's a lot of research um uh, that needs to be done. There's a lot of food for counting. There's a lot of conversion rating projections mm. and all of that. But um, again, and it's still a business that is made by by people. Mm. So until you you actually open your doors and you start trading, you you, you won't realize whether you you made the right choices or not. Mm. No, that's brilliant. Um, so that brings us to the end of our show, Gabriele. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, thanks again for coming in. It's very insightful. It's always nice to know about, more about the food industry. So thanks again for having us. Uh, that brings us to the end of the North Avenue show. Thank you for our guest, Gabriele, once again. And we hope to hear from you again. Bye now. Thank you.
for listening to the North Avenue Show.